We're going to be in the seventh chapter of Mark this morning. And uh, what I want to talk to you about this morning is the thought that I had thriving on breadcrumbs. Thriving on breadcrumbs. And this, this story blesses me beyond measure. I want you to know because the same God that's still on the throne during the Bible times, during when this happened, is the same God that's on His throne today. You know, we have a lot of people in our nation, and I'm one of them. Occasionally I get in the flesh, and I start worrying about all the things that are going on in our country, that we're losing our nation, we're losing our freedoms, our children and our families are in turmoil, we've got this culture of death surrounding us, we have all of this uh, stuff going on from the past presidential election. There's a lot of people out there that don't believe in the integrity of the election and all of those things. But the God that was on his throne when Donald Trump was in the, pres in the White House is the same God now today. And see, we can, we can have hope in that. We can take courage in that and knowing that God is in perfect control. And He is waiting for us, and I believe that's what, one of the things we're going to learn from this passage of Scripture this morning. He is waiting on us to come by faith, believing Him that He is going to do something in our lives. You know, God is not obligated when we sit there and do nothing. Faith is an active, it's a verb. Yeah, it's a noun, but it's also a verb. Faith takes action. And it's high time that the, the church took action. Amen? We need it desperately. So let's pick up there at the 24th, 24th verse in Mark chapter 7 this morning. And we'll, we'll take a look at this account. And we're also going to continue through the rest of the chapter. This, uh, the rest of the chapter is broken up. We've got one situation here with this lady and her daughter that we're going to look at first, but we're, also, we're going to conclude with there was a deaf man that Jesus healed. And for, and for a while, I, didn't think, I thought there were just kind of two separate events that weren't really connected, but that's not true. And we're going to see that later on as we put this thing together. So anyway, let's read the Word of God. Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 24. And it says, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into an house and would have no man know it. Now that's interesting. But, I love this part, he could not be hid. Amen. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, and I, I struggled with this, I'm not going to lie, early on when I became a believer, let the children first be filled, for it's not meat to cast the children's bread and to cast it, take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. 
And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they besought him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for this word. Thank you that the same God of, at this time is the same God today that, Lord, we can count on you, that your character is unchanging, that your promises are eternal, and that, God, you honor faith. When we reach out to you by faith, God, you touch us. You, you fulfill every promise that you've ever given us. So, Lord, today we trust you to do what only you can do. God, May your Spirit, Holy Spirit, we pray that you will not leave us to ourselves, but God, that you would fill our hearts, our minds, open us up, that we may receive with joy the engrafted Word that is not only able to save our souls, but to keep us saved and to keep us in your will and in your way. So God, whatever it is that you want to do with your church this morning, God be with us and we praise you and we love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I, I looked it up. There are 35 registered miracles that the Lord did while he was on. Now, I, there were many, many more than that. You understand me. But 35 of these, if you will, major events that are recorded in the Gospels for us. And out of those 35 recorded miracles, four of them directly deal with women. I thought that was kind of neat, seeing as how in that day and time, women were, were not as well thought of. That was before the women's lib movement got a, good, got a good start and set all you ladies free and all the stuff, supposedly. I think the, the, the current women's lib movement puts women in bondage, but that's just my thoughts on that. The Word of God sets you free, amen? It's the Lord Jesus Christ that sets us free. So, anyway, but I thought that that was kind of neat that these miracles, he wanted to make sure that people knew that women are just as important as men, right? That we are all heirs of the gift of life through Jesus Christ. There's, there's no distinctions in that, in that way. So that was, a, that was a neat thing to know. But moving on to this, to this story, I, I really did. I, I said it before earlier, but when I was a brand new believer and I came to this passage of Scripture, I kind of 
struggled with it just a little bit because it seems so out of character for Jesus to say something like this. Because Jesus is the most kind man, the most loving, the most self-sacrificing person that has ever lived on planet earth. Can I get a witness to that? So this seems kind of odd, kind of strange, kind of out of character for him, but there's a reason. And, I'll, and here's the good news. Something like this could never happen again, amen? This was before the cross. This was before his resurrection. This was before the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down and inhabited the bodies of his people and he took a Jewish believing remnant and sent them out into the world to preach the gospel. Now, we are recipients of what those first witnesses bore out about Jesus Christ. That He is alive and well. He's on His throne. He's coming back one day for a bride. And we better get ready. That's the good news of the gospel. But see, now this is all pre-that. But I, I want us to notice not Jesus' supposedly strange conversation with this lady, I want you to think about this woman has more, this Greek Gentile woman has more faith than most church believers. Most church folk. Most professing believers out there. Because many churches and many individual Christians live their lives as <laughs> it's only bad I'm never going to get ahead. I've lost my best friend. I might as well be dead now. Nothing good's going to happen to me. We live in a crazy world. We're going to be taxed to death. They're doing this. They're doing that. The government's doing this. The governor that. The mayor this. The roads are horrible. You can just go on and on and on with this old world and everything that's in it and have no faith and God will do absolutely nothing in our lives. Or you can have faith like this woman who, even though she agreed with him, hey, you're right, Lord. I know that the nation of Israel, your chosen people, I know that they're the ones that are offered this precious gift first, but even the dogs eat the crumbs under their master's table. Could you just give me a few crumbs, Lord? And he said, you know what, I'll do better than that by your faith. Going home. Everything's good to go. That's the kind of faith that we need in the church today. A, church, a, a, a group of believers that truly believe the Word of God and that in spite of everything that's coming against us, we are overcomers through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, first thing I noticed about this is that His presence is undeniable. It says they went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon. They went into a house. They were going into this house to have another little getaway because they were just war slam out. You know, they were constantly bombarded with the cares of people. Crowds were thronging them. They were always feeding and healing and doing all these things. And ministry is tough. And so... They went in there, they didn't want to be seen because it says in the Bible they didn't want anyone to know it. 
They wanted to get away from everyone, but guess what? He cannot be hid. That's, that, that goes individually and corporately in our lives. I believe this with all of my heart. There is no true saved, born-again, blood-washed believer in Jesus Christ that can keep it in. I just don't. And I go to churches all the time and these people sit there, these sour pusses, these sister Bertha better than yous. These, all these people, they're grouchy, they're mad. And I just wonder, where is the joy of the Lord on their face? And I know times are hard. And I know every, every day and every moment of every day is not good. I know we can all have our moments. Amen. Lisa can tell you I have mine. But you know what? A real Christian, you're going to see their faith. It can't be hid. Something's going to come out of what God's putting in. Amen? The best, this vessel cannot contain what God's doing in my life. And if I can live, live my Christian life and the world goes by and doesn't notice it, something's wrong in my life. And I need to take assessment of where I am with God. Can't be hid. Corporately is the same way. There are churches out there that have bad reputations. Us preachers, we, we keep a pretty tight little circle. You know, we talk to each other. There are certain churches all over this country, and not, not anyone in particular. I'm not going to name names. But there are certain churches that preachers know, hey, don't go there, buddy. They'll chew you up and spit you out. What a horrible testimony to a church. To have that kind of reputation that no pastor in his right mind wants to go there. But it's out there. You know what it should be, our reputation? Those people know Jesus. And they love Jesus. And no, they're not perfect. And they're not sinless. And they have their issues. And they've had their trials and tribulation. And they go through everything that everyone else goes through. But somehow they come out of it on the other side. And they give God glory. His presence is undeniable. It can't be hid corporately. It can't be hid individually. And the, the good news has got to be spread, whether it's intentional or accidental. Amen. Somebody ought to hear about it just by accident. Amen. Because verse 25 tells us there was a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, but guess what? She had heard of him. Somebody told her, right? Didn't have television. You're not going to hear it on CNN. You're not even going to hear it on Fox much. But you can hear it from another believer. Someone who's actually had a work of God in their life. Somebody who's personally tasted the grace and goodness of Almighty God. And they're going to tell somebody else, 
We, we talk about hamburgers, what's the best place to go get some catfish. We can talk about baseball games. We can talk about my granddaughter won this and won that, and they're going to the Olympics, and they're going to do all this. But when it comes to our faith in Jesus, sometimes some of us are a little bit silent. We need to start telling people about how good God is. Because He is good, isn't He? He's been good to me. And I don't think He's been bad to any of y'all. He's been far better to me than I deserve. And I bet you you could say the same thing. We could stand here all day and have testimony time if you were willing to do it and never get done talking about the goodness of God. Amen? Go tell people what He's done for you. So His presence is undeniable. But there are obstacles to our faith. And this woman faced a a laundry list of them, if you will. Number one, she was of the wrong nationality at that time. She was not of the nation of Israel. She was not the chosen people off of all the face of the earth. She was Greek. She was a Gentile, if you will. And so her nationality was against her because the the gospel came to the Jew first and then to the Greek, right? That's the, that's the God-given order of things. But another thing was that she was a woman. And in this day and time, they did not have the freedoms and the, and the luxuries and the things that women of today have, especially in the United States of America. Women were kind of second-class citizens. They didn't own businesses. They didn't, they didn't have a lot of property. They, depend, they were just dependent on their husbands and family and church people. And what, whatever, they could, whatever happened to them, it was, they, they had to scrap. So they were having a, she was having a hard issue. She was of the wrong nationality. She was a woman. The devil himself was against her because her daughter had an unclean spirit or a demonic spirit. She was being controlled and possessed by a demonic spirit. Satan was already at work in her family's life. And could you not agree with me today, Satan is at work like never before? He is attacking marriages. He is attacking families. Children that were brought up by God-fearing, good parents in good homes that were not just taken to church but were brought along with mom and dad mom and dad were living it out their grown children now are turning away from the faith I mean it's it's not easy out there is it folks there's trouble out there there's a lot of obstacles out there Satan does not want you to have the victory But guess what? He's already been defeated. At the foot of a bloody cross, Jesus said, it's done. When He rose up out of that grave on the third day, that stone was rolled back. He said, death, hell, and the grave has been eternally defeated because of who I am. Friends, we don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. And the devil himself cannot hurt you. He can try. But don't let him have the victory in your life. And 
the disciples even wanted to, dis- to send her away. That was the whole reason they came into that house was to get away from everybody. So I'm, I'm assuming, now it doesn't say this in this text, but I have other texts to back me up in, in other places in the Gospels where they said, send these people away. <laughs> would, Lord, would you get rid of them? I've, I've had it. I'm tired. I want some time off. I don't have anything else to give them. Send her away, please. We don't know that for sure, but I, I bet their attitude was not, we can minister to one more, Lord. <laughs> I have faith in Jesus, but I don't have faith in the disciples sometimes. Amen. We all get there sometimes. We're all like, I, I can't take it anymore. So, the disciples probably wanted to send her away. And worst of all, it seems like Jesus himself wanted to send her away because he, he makes the statement, let the children first be filled. And then, you know, if there's, like, if there's anything left over, we'll, we'll take care of you. But that wasn't the case. I believe Jesus was testing her just like He's testing every one of us. I believe that that statement was proclaimed not not because He didn't want anything to do with her, not because He's putting her off, not because He didn't care. I believe He was testing her to see where her faith really was. And I believe He's doing the same thing this morning in this room. He's asking every one of us, do you believe me or not? Do you really want something from me? Or, or what, what do you want? What's your heart's motivation for being here this morning? It's up to you. It's up to me. I want him. And I'll even take crumbs. But see, he's, he's way better than that. He doesn't just give crumbs. He'll give you the whole loaf. He'll give you more than you can take in at one time. There'll be basketfuls of fragments left over if you just trust Him. And here's the the good part of it. We're moving on. There's many obstacles to overcome in our faith. But faith moves the omnipotent hand of God. He tells her, Because you've said this, because you said that even the dogs eat the crumbs, sister, I got something better for you than that. Your daughter's healed. Your daughter is healed. Go your way. It's a done deal. She goes home, and it is exactly as the Lord told her. God never made a promise that He doesn't fulfill. It's going to be there for you. So, Faith moves the omnipotent hand of God. But I want to move on in the time we have left to look at these last few verses beginning in verse 31. We have this deaf man. They've, they've left this little area where they were in Tyre and Sidon and now the Lord is in, uh, at the Sea of Galilee again around Decapolis which was the ten city region. There were ten cities that were right there in a little globe together on the sea, near the Sea of Galilee. They're called the Ten Cities, and they were all filled with a 
<clears throat> all kinds of different people, not just Jewish people, all kinds of people. <clears throat> but he goes into this, this region, and it says they brought unto him a deaf man. And it said he had a speech impediment. Now, I got to thinking about all of this. You, have you ever talked with someone or known someone that was deaf from birth? Have you ever known anyone that was deaf from birth? They have, they have a lot of trouble learning to speak because obviously they can't hear. They can't hear you talk. All they can see is our lips and our tongues moving. So they have much difficulty learning to talk. Now, if someone loses their hearing after learning to speak and being able to communicate, it's easier for them. It's not easy. It's easier than someone who has never heard anything for them to talk. And I got to thinking about that. That's the same thing in the spirit. We have a lot of people that talk. We have a lot of preachers that talk. We have a lot of Sunday school teachers that talk. But many of these people, and I'm not accusing anyone, but some of these people have never really heard anything from God. It's kind of like Charlie Brown's school teacher, remember her? Womp, 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 And that's about all they hear. They don't have anything to offer anyone. They have a speech impediment. You see... Most of us get it wrong. In prayer and in everything else, it's not me talking to God, it's God talking to me. Amen? I need to spend less time talking. God already knows everything about me. He knows my needs. He knows my wants. He knows my issues. He knows my problems. He knows everything. So why do I need to keep talking to Him? I can imagine the Lord sits there sometimes and goes, would you hush and let me talk? Have you ever been with somebody like that? You just wish they'd draw a breath so you could get a word in. <laughs> I have people like that in my life. They come into the barbershop sometimes. It's like there's a vacuum. They come in, they suck all the air in, they leave and go out. <laughs> You're like, Man, I think God does the same thing with us. I think that's, that's exactly it. We don't take the time to listen. And I think it's, I think it's kind of, I think it's wonderfully interesting to me how he heals this man. It says that they brought this guy to him and they, they asked him to put his hand, he, they wanted Jesus to put his hands on him. They had, they had seen that before. They had associated healing with laying on of hands, with touching someone, with having that personal encounter. But here's what Jesus did. The first thing he did in verse 33, he takes him aside from the multitude. I like that. Because... There's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of personal, individual 
hearing from God and receiving the things of God in a crowd. Now, don't get me wrong, church and corporate worship on Sundays is wonderful. You need it. Don't forsake it. Come together. But if you're only being fed for an hour or two on Sundays, you are a weak, pathetic Christian. You've got to have something with you and God personally on a daily basis or you're not going to make it. He took him aside from the multitude and remember what, the, what I told y'all that word multitude means? Rabble, crowd, the riot. You can't hear God if everybody else is talking at the same time. It just, it's, it's hard for me. I'm ADD, y'all, y'all know that. I've told you that. If I lose eye contact with you, you've lost me. I'm watching that little kid over there on the swing set that's doing and I'm trying to listen to you at the same time. Oh, squirrel, you know, caught my eye something. I'm just all over the map. Well, that's the way we are in our spirits. and It's wool gathering, I call it. We're just, you know, and I can't hear God plainly until I get away from everybody else. Turn the television off, turn the phone off, get my Bible, go to my prayer closet, go sit outside and watch the hummingbirds. It's just, I've got to get by myself. And you do too. So he takes him aside from the multitude, and then the next thing that's really interesting to me, he puts his fingers in his ears. Now, you put your fingers in your ears and talk at the same time, you sound really weird. I sound weird right now. I'm going to stop. It's weird. And it doesn't seem to be the way to heal someone who's deaf to stick your fingers in their ears. But I believe this. I believe what the Lord was saying was, I've got to drown everything else out so you can hear the inner voice. You can have the greatest preachers in the world, the greatest theologians in the world, the best Bible teachers, seminary professors, and they're all good and we need it. But the greatest teacher in the universe is the Holy Spirit of God. And He doesn't dwell on the outside, He dwells on the inside. So I believe Jesus was saying this, I'm stopping everything else from coming in. I'm going to get down to in here. I'm going to fix that first. And then the next thing he does, he spit. <laughs> That's really weird. And touched his tongue. Now, to everyone who have had children, do you remember drinking after your children, eating after your children? Mamas do it especially. My mama used to eat after me. She would drink. I thought it was gross when I was a little kid. You get that backwash. You, know, you ever had, mama and daddy used to, he was too cheap to buy everybody a Coke, a bottle of Coke. He would get one bottle and we'd get a bag of peanuts and put in there and the four of us would drink a Coke and eat a bag of peanuts. You were going to get backwash out of that thing. <laughs> but you know what? It didn't bother my mama and you know why? I came forth out of her womb. She gave me life. 
She had already made a great transaction and she had given me life and a little spit didn't, didn't, didn't bother her because I was her boy. And God is our Creator. And if Jesus is your Savior, His DNA courses your veins. His blood washes us and cleanses us from all sin. There has to be a DNA transfer. You and I have to have a new heart, a new spirit. And we're going to one day receive a new body. Amen? So thank God that He loved us enough to spit and touch our tongue. You see, He's the one giving life to the, to the message. He's the one who puts His Spirit in it. He's the one that illuminates it and empowers it. Without Him, it's dead and lifeless. And nothing, life is not worth living. It's vain and empty apart from Jesus Christ. So He makes this transaction. He changes us. And I love it. It says He looked up to heaven. He sighs. He's like, And he says, be loosed or be opened. And immediately, straightway, his ears were open. See, he's got the proper order. It wasn't his tongue first and then his ears. It was his ears first and then his tongue. And he spoke plain. Or he spoke, that word plain in the old King James means correctly and morally. We don't have anything to say to anyone apart from Jesus. That's just the way it is. Said, and this, I think this is interesting because in this day and time, he would never tell us this. He told, in fact, he told us to go tell. That's, that's our command now. That's our commission now is to go tell. But he tells these people, he said, he charged them that they tell no one but guess what they did? They didn't obey Him. They went and told everybody. He's told the church to go tell everybody and we tell a few people. Right? Isn't that right? So what are you going to do when you leave here? You going to go tell people or are you going to be silent? And that's my invitation to you this morning. If you haven't first heard from Him, then you can't go tell. But if you have heard from Him, isn't it time to go tell? And that decision's up to you. I can't do it for you. But I'll tell you this, He'll be with you every step of the way if you go do it. 